Time now for Rocky Jordan. Not far from the mosque Sultan Hassan in Cairo stands the Café Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. The Café Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men, alive with the babble of many languages. For this is Cairo, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against a backdrop of antiquity. Tonight's story, My Quiet Friend. Things had been rather peaceful around the cafe for the past few days, and I was facing the prospect of another dull evening when the door to my office opened and two well-dressed guys eased in. Both of them were tall and on the rugged side. They were dressed in identical tan gabardine suits and white Panama hats. There was only one difference in their attire. One of them wore a bow tie, the other a foreign hand tied correctly with a Windsor knot, nestling perfectly in the center of the spread collar of his soft white shirt. He was the one who broke the silence. You're Jordan, aren't you? Yeah, but I'm not in the market for entertainers, especially a brother act. You're wrong on both counts, wise guy. We just dropped in to sell you something. Sorry, I got all the shoelaces I can use. Pretty funny guy, ain't he, Maxie? Yeah. Your friend's not much of a talker, is he? Only when he has something important to say. My name's Moran. Leo Moran. Jordan, my uh, quiet friend here is Maxie Schultz. Maxie Schultz? Sounds familiar. You two boys from New York? Yeah, but we're operating a little real estate service in Cairo now. Personalized service. Oh, yeah, I've heard about it. On a clear day, you can hear the screams a mile away. Well, that makes it easy, then. It depends on what you mean by easy. We have a client who's interested in your place. It's not for sale. We thought you'd say that, so we figured we could sell you on the idea of changing your mind. How about that, Maxie? Yeah... I thought you only spoke when you had something important to say, Maxie. Better take it on the slow bell, Speedy. I do other things. Yeah, I'll bet. Where do you keep your ventriloquist? Jordan, for your information, you're bandying words with Maxie the mechanic. Expert in death traps. And your customers never complain, do they, Maxie? They ain't ever in shape to complain. Now, about this client of ours, Jordan. You're wasting your time, boys. Beat it. The joint's not for sale. Our client will give you 500 bucks cash for your cafe. Five... 500 bucks, huh? That wouldn't buy the furniture in this office. You hear that, Maxie? Yeah. Yeah, shame he feels that way, ain't it? Now, take this little private bar of yours here, Jordan. I don't think it's worth much. And these drapes aren't bad, but they don't go well with the rest of the stuff. You like this mirror over here, Maxie? Uh-uh. Why, you dirty... I want you, Speedy. Nah, I sit still like a good little boy. Maybe you shouldn't have hit Mr. Jordan so hard with that sap, Maxie. You might mess up that pretty face. Oh, yeah, that'd be a shame. Come on, Maxie. We'll see you later, Jordan. Maybe you'll have changed your mind by then. I shook my head a few times, but the haze wouldn't clear, and the range was off. A tap on the side of the head hadn't helped my eyesight any. I remember seeing the Gabardine boys leave. It was like looking through the wrong end of a pair of field glasses. And the room started spinning and the lights went out. 
I came out of it, the phone was ringing. Hello? Hello? Uh, yeah, who is it? Roland, it's Charlie LeBouc. LeBouc? What do you want? Look, Jordan, I think it's about time the two of us forget our little differences and have a nice, friendly talk, huh? Uh, why should we? Well, I don't like it any more than you, Jordan, but it'll be the smart thing to do. It's about this mob that's taking over. Keep talking. Well, uh, you and I are just about the only two cafe operators who haven't sold out. If we stay together, maybe we can beat them off. They've looked over this situation pretty well, Jordan. They won't expect us to team up on them. Uh, all right. What's the spread? Come over to my place, Jordan. I have a man here who can do some good. I like names, LeBouc. It's uh, Nick Spalvo. Our buddy. Nick Spalvo, huh? Okay, give me half an hour. Nick Spalvo had owned the Blue Palm Cafe up to a couple of weeks ago. Then, like half a dozen other gin hall merchants, he'd fallen in line with the mob and had moved out without a murmur to the law. Now it looked like Nick had changed his mind. I went out front, hopped a cab, and shortly after 7.30, I piled out in front of Charlie LeBouc's cafe. I pushed my way through the crowd and went up the stairs. At the end of a small, narrow corridor was a door marked private. It was half open. I pushed it the rest of the way. The first thing that caught my eye was the open window and the wind whipping the curtains into the room. Then I saw LeBouc sprawled out on the soft green carpet behind his desk. There were half a dozen bruises on the side of his face and a dark purple crease over the bridge of his nose. LeBouc's company had played a little too hard. And with his weak pump, LeBouc couldn't keep up acting host. He was dead. Then I remembered Nick Spalvo. I went into the room next to the office, but he wasn't around. I started out into the corridor again when I heard voices and the cigarette girl eased around the corner. Behind her was one of LeBouc's boys with his right hand in his tux pocket. I ducked back into the office and threw the open window to the fire escape. I didn't have time to stick around for explanations. And maybe LeBouc's boy wouldn't give me the chance. I had just dropped to the sidewalk when... And then LeBouc's boy suddenly showed up in the window. I was glad then that I hadn't waited. At the corner, I grabbed a hack, and 15 minutes later, I was leaning on the buzzer of apartment 21 at the Sharita house. Yes, what... Oh, Rocky. Hello, Nina. Well, this is a surprise. I wasn't sure if I'd catch you in. I don't go to the club till nine. You know that, darling. Come in. Come in. You were still dancing at the Blue Palm, huh? Mm, of course, darling. Sit down. Did I fix your drink? I thought maybe after Nick Spalvo sold out, you might have left the club. Why should I? Oh, I like Nick a lot, but not a girl has to make a living. How do you get along with the new boss? Mm, I've only seen him once or twice. He doesn't come to the club much. Now, about that drink, Rocky. Where's Nick, do you know? Oh, Rocky, must you always talk about business? Nick, baby, where is he? I don't know, Rocky. At his apartment, I suppose. Why? Uh, I went around to check before I dropped into Charlie LeBouc's club. Three of us were supposed to meet there. Charlie LeBouc? When I got there, LeBouc was dead. Nick wasn't around. Dead? Oh, Rocky. Oh, relax. You... I didn't do it. In a room next to LeBouc's office, there was a cot and a few blankets and an ashtray full of cigar butts. They might have been Nick's. Oh, Rocky, I don't understand. What does it all mean? It means that Nick could have been hiding out at LeBouc's. But why? Look, baby, Nick didn't want to sell his place. The other owners didn't want to either. But they were pressured into it by a couple of strong-arm boys and told to keep quiet about it. So that's it. I thought it was strange. Nick that... couldn't take it. He decided to talk, so he waltzed over to LeBouc's and told him about it. 
Dubuque had been given the same pitch, and he wasn't happy about it either, so he called me and suggested we get together and fight off the wolves. That's why you went to Charlie's place. Yeah, but the pressure boys beat me to it. I don't think they wanted to kill the book. They just played a little too rough. But Nick, where's he? Nick might have been in the room next door when LeBook was killed. He uh, probably ducked out. Did you ask anyone at the club if Nick had been there? I didn't have time. I had to leave rather suddenly. One of LeBook's boys kind of got ideas that I'd bumped off his boss. Oh, Rocky, the police, they'll think that you... Rocky, you've got to get away. I'll help you. Oh, thanks, baby, but... Please, Rocky. I've got to find Nick. But with the police looking for you and LeBook's men, you won't have a chance, Rocky. Well, it'll take a bit of doing. And that's where you come in. Of course, anything you say, but I... Where would Nick go? Any ideas? Well, I... Let me think. Girlfriends? Relatives? Uh, Celeste Nardi. But she's in Port Said for a few weeks. Okay, where's her place? Uh, the Komar Apartments on Shari Alman. Huh? Where else would Nick hide out? Well, he has so many relatives. Perhaps his cousin's shop in the square. Or his uncle's house. Wait, there's a brother, too. Hey, it... slow down, baby. I'll need some names and addresses first. Then I'm going to go call him. Fifteen minutes later, I grabbed a cab in front of Nina's place, and shortly before 8.30, I pulled up in front of a small tobacco shop near the old Helwan station. A single light burned in the back of the shop, and beneath it sat a fat-faced Turk, dozing quietly, his feet propped up on the low counter. I went inside. All right, George, snap out of it. You got a customer. Come on, come on, wake up. I... Turk hadn't been asleep. He'd been out cold. And when I shook him, he rolled off the chair and dropped to the floor. I noticed a dark purple bruise over the bridge of his nose. The same mark I'd seen earlier on Charlie LeBouc. I worked on him a few minutes, and then he snapped out of it. Uh, uh, no. No, please. All right, take it easy, chum. I'm not going to hurt you. Here, I'll help you up. My, my head... They, sure, a couple of boys who dress alike, huh? Yes. Yes, they, they wanted to know where Nick... Who are you? The name's Jordan. I'm a friend of Nick's. Oh, yes, I have heard of you. Was Nick here tonight? Not more than ten minutes ago. These two men came after him, but Nick saw them and went out the back way. And they must have tailed him here from La Books. Me, Mr. Jordan, what has happened? Is Nick in trouble? Yeah, he witnessed a murder. Charlie LaBooks. Those two boys who worked you over did it. Any idea where Nick went to? No. He had just come in. We, we were in the back of the shop. He started to tell me what had happened when the two men walked in. Nick went out the back way. Uh, how about Nick's brother? He lives around here. Think he could have gone there? Perhaps. I do not know. How much did you tell the boys who worked you over? Nothing. Nothing at all. I could not tell them where Nick went because... I do not know. Uh, okay. I'm going around to see Nick's brother. You better fix your face up and close up shop. Those two boys are liable to come back for more. And I don't mean cigarettes. Nick's brother lived in a narrow side street about three blocks away. When I got there, the house was dark. The only answer to my knock on the heavy door was a dog howl coming from somewhere inside. I waited for a minute and went back downstairs and started for the rear of the house. I caught a movement along the wall out of the corner of my eye, but I just kept walking. I went around the side of the house and pulled into a doorway. A few seconds later, I heard him coming along the gravel walk. When he passed me, I reached out. His gun came up, but he didn't have the chance to use it. I 
I flipped on my cigarette light and held it to his face. It was Charlie LaBook's boy, the guy who'd taken the pot shots at me from the window. He was still red hot on the idea that I'd bumped off his boss. I packed him off to my cab, gave the driver an address, and we took off. I had to put this boy on ice before somebody got hurt. Couldn't expect my luck to hold out all night. Well, ten minutes later, I walked into Madame Farid's little establishment down on the waterfront. For a little silver across the pond, the old girl was always more than happy to kick your fortune around in a teacup or uh, even consult the crystal ball. Oh, Rocky, Rocky Jordan. It is a long time I have not seen you. Come in, come in. Hi, Grandma. Well, how's the future look? Ah, you wish to consult Madame Farid? Yeah, got a problem. There happens to be a short, dark, and ugly character following me with murder on his mind. So? He's got the picture all wrong, but I don't have the time to explain it to him now. He's uh, sleeping off our last engagement in my cab outside. I see. Oh, it is a problem, Rocky. Yeah, take a look at my palm, sweetheart. Oh, you'll find it just under this $10 bill. Oh, oh yes, yes, I see. Well... Uh... I would say there is an old woman who can help you. I can see an empty cellar, an excellent place to put these men till morning, perhaps, until you can explain his mistake. That's the best advice I've had all day. It's a deal. Now, uh, where can I find this old woman who's going to help me? Bring him in, Rocky. Bring him in. <laughs> At least, with LeBook's boy out of the way, I wouldn't have to worry about his taking a pot shot at me every time I turned around. I still had to find Nick before the Gabardine boys did, and my next stop was Celeste Donati's place at the Comar Hotel Apartments in the Sharia El Moon. Even if Nick's doll wasn't around, he might be using the place as a hideout, and it was worth a try. I was just about to press the buzzer over the nameplate when the door opened suddenly. Framed there was Captain Sam Sabai at Cairo Police. Hello, George. Uh-oh. Hello, Sam. I've been looking for you. Come on in. Sure. What are you doing here, Sam, if you were looking for me? I am also looking for Nick Sparrow. Well, so is everybody else. What happened to Charlie LeBook, Jordan? I'm not sure, Sam. I arrived a little late. Uh, I got there even later. All I found was LeBook dead. You and Nick had already left. Why? Nick left because LeBook's killers got too close to him. I left because one of LeBook's boys got an idea I'd polished off his boys. What were you doing at LeBook's? I have heard you were not very good friends, Jordan. Oh, just small talk. Jordan, I have All no... right, all right. He called me over to team up with him against the pressure boys who were buying up a flock of joints. Or didn't you know about that? We know all about it, Jordan. Then why haven't you done something? We have nothing to go on, absolutely nothing. The cafe owners have refused to talk. Nick changed his mind. He'll sing like a blue jay. Is that why he was at LeBook's? Yeah. He knows who bumped off LeBook. Do you? The Gabardine boys, Sam. It figures... The Gabardine. Leo Moran and Maxie Schultz, the super salesman. Oh, Sukameli's men. What? Frank Sukameli. He's behind this scheme, Jordan. How'd he get here? Thought after they'd booted him out of the States back to his own country. It is all very legal, Jordan. As long as he stays out of trouble, there is nothing we can do. But he'll slip up here in Cairo just as he did back in the States. He already has, Sam. I think you can make it pretty hot for Sukameli once you find Nick Spalvo. Well, Jordan, for your sake, I hope we find him. Alive. Don't you like my story, Sam? Oh, I do. But I am only a captain of police. There are others who may not like it. After all, no one else saw Moran and Schultz at Le Books. 
Which makes me number one boy, because LeBouc and I never get along too well. Sure, sure, Sam. So instead of standing here around here yapping, why don't you go out and find Nick? I intend to. All right. Where do we go now? I'm going to drive you back to the tambourine, Jordan. The tambourine? Oh, now, wait a minute, Yes, Sam. and you're going to stay there till this thing is cleared up. Sorry, Sam. My foot's in the door. I want to... This is a matter for the police, Jordan. You'd better stay out of it for your own good. You're not doing very well so far, you know. Uh, all right, all right. Come on. Sam and I piled into the police crate and headed downtown. I didn't put up much of an argument about being herded back to my cafe, because it suddenly dawned on me that doing just that might have been the smart thing to do from the first. Nick must have known about my coming over to Labouks to talk about teaming up, and he'd probably make an effort to contact me. The tambourine would be the first place he'd try. Sam and his boys dropped me off in front of the cafe, and I went in. I pushed through the crowd to the back and opened the office door. Hello, Jordan. We've been waiting for you. Come on in. Close the door. The Gabardine boys, Leo and Maxie, were standing in the center of the room. Leaning against my desk with a cigar stuck in the corner of his fat face was a short, heavy-set guy. He had a thick mop of black, curly hair, eyes that hit you like a hot iron. In his hand was a fingernail file. When I walked in, he went back to work with it on his short, pudgy fingers. Then, without looking up... Hello, Jordan. What are you doing here, Succamelli? Oh, you recognize me, huh? No trouble at all. You used to be the favorite pinup boy of the post offices back in the States. They were lousy photographs, George. Don't blame the camera, Sukamelli. I've seen better heads on a pin. There he goes again, Leo. I don't think All I right, Maxie, that's enough. Let Mr. Jordan have his little joke. We have plenty of time. Well, I haven't, Sukamelli. I gotta get this place sprayed. You got no idea the stuff that crawls in here these days. But what do you think of the offer my boys made to you? I haven't laughed so hard in years. What's wrong with 500 bucks for this dump? You're in a weed field, Sukamelli. All right, Jordan, we can talk about that later. Right now, I'm interested in Spalvo. Spalvo? What's that, something you spread on bread? Where is he, Jordan? I wouldn't give you the right time, Sukamelli. Where is he hiding? Get lost, punk, I'm busy. All right, Maxie. Leo. Okay, wise guy, this is as far as you go. Hold him, Leo. Yeah, I got him. Let him have it. <clears throat> now, Jordan... Let's start from the beginning. Huh? When the blackjack caught me on the side of the head, my knees started to give out, but Maxie got behind me and held me up. With one hand, he jerked my head back. Leo grabbed my shirt front, pulled the rod out of his pocket, and started tapping the bridge of my nose with a gun barrel. Then I remembered the bruise, that dark purple crease on Labouk's nose and the Turks. It was a nice, slow, and easy way of driving a guy off his rocker. The first few taps weren't bad. After that, you lost count. It was like a pile driver coming down on your head. The last thing I remembered was Succamelli. He was still leaning against the desk, working the file and blowing in his fingernails. And he was asking me about Nick somebody. You are listening to My Quiet Friend, tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan. Tomorrow night, radio's most popular dramatic program, CBS Radio Theater, brings you The Song of Bernadette. This inspiring screen story of a humble girl whose faith elevated her to sainthood will be the Easter week presentation of Radio Theater Monday night at 6. Ann Baxter and Charles Bixford are the stars. Don't miss it tomorrow, Monday night at 6 on CBS. <laughs> Now we return you to Cairo, 
And tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan, my quiet friend. A character named Frank Succamelli moved to take over the Cairo night spots, gangster style. A couple of gin mill owners and I decided to get together. But just before we kept our date, one of them was murdered. The other, named Nick Spalvo, disappeared. I spent a lot of time looking for Spalvo without any luck. When I got back to the tambourine, Succamelli and his two boys were waiting for me and gave me a nice going over with a gun barrel. It was quite a bit later when I finally started to wake up. Rocky. Rocky. Oh, go away. Rocky, it's Nina. Nina. Uh, great girl, fine dancer. Rocky, listen to me, please. Uh, Nina. One of the nicest... Wait a minute, what is this? Not Where... so loud, Rocky. They'll hear you. Nina. You were at the Blue Palm Cafe, Rocky. I saw them when they brought you in an hour ago. Blue Palm? Yes, one of the upstairs rooms. Oh, yeah. Kind of comes back now. What happened to my playmates? Leon Maxi are out and back. They're loading up the owner's car. Where's Succamelli? Succamelli? The boss, the boss. Oh, oh, in his office. Rocky, I think the three of them are getting ready to leave. Not without me, they don't. Oh, no, Rocky, they'll kill you. You've got to get away. Not on your life. They have a score to settle with this crowd. Look, baby, it's a sense they're not going to take off without making another try to find out where Nick is. I think I can stall him off long enough. But why, Rocky? Why don't you leave when can you can? Can you get can? to a phone and fast? Yes. Then hop to it, Nina. Give Captain Sabaya a buzz at police headquarters and unload the glad tidings. And tell him to hurry up and get here. Nina eased out the door, and I heard her high heels clicking off down the hall. I made my way across the darkened room to the window and looked down into the parking lot below. A long, gleaming limousine was parked in the driveway. Walking away from it were Leo and Maxie. Maxie was wiping his hands. They passed under my window and went into the cafe. I waited a couple of minutes, then I heard footsteps in the hall. The key turned in the lock. Turn the light on, Maxie. Yeah, sure. Well, look at that, Maxie. Bright boy is up and around again. Yeah. How do you feel, Jordan? Just fine, boys. We go around again? You don't look so bad for a guy who's had a rough evening. I'm used to it. Well, the night isn't over yet. Come on, Succamelli wants to see you. And he doesn't like to be kept waiting. You two really jump through the hoop for that punk, don't you? I wouldn't say that, Jordan. You ought to be around like a couple of zombies. We're not worried. Not a bit. You do the dirty work and he rakes in the dough. What's the matter? You scared of the little bum? <laughs> and like Leo said, Jordan, we ain't worried. Not a bit, huh, Leo? Now, come on, let's go. Yeah, what's your hurry? Look, wise guy, do you want me to wrap this sap beside your head again? Well, if you... What's the matter? Ain't you ever seen a blackjack before? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay, boys, let's not keep Mr. Succamelli waiting, huh? We walked down the hall to Succamelli's office. He was sitting there at his desk, smiling like a, a pitcher who had just struck out murderer's role. He had his hat and coat on, and in front of him, resting in the green blotter, was a briefcase. Ah, Jordan, I see you have recovered. It's a special favor to you, Succamelli. That's as far as I go. I've decided to forget about Nick. I'm afraid it's a little too late now to do anything about that. You're going to pull out, huh? Yeah. I've decided not to press my luck too far. We've made a neat little pile of dough anyway, haven't we, boys? Yeah, let's get out of here. We can dump Jordan on the road. Good idea, Leo. I'll take care of it. Oh, uh, we can do it, Frank. Me and Leo take Jordan in our car, follow no, you. No, I'll take care of it, Maxie. After I've taken care of something else first. Uh, uh, what do you mean? 
Miss Max. Frank, no! Oh, you dirty double crust. Max had started to get up out of the chair when the first slug hit him and he dropped back. Leo went down right at my feet. The Gabardine boys were through. Circamelli had just done a nice job of trimming the payroll. All right, Jordan, let's go. Oh, I don't get it here, huh? No, I have other plans for you. I think I'll take you along with me. Until I get out of Cairo, anyway. You won't, Succamelli. Shut up. Get moving. Okay, okay. Succamelli prided me in the back with a snub-nosed revolver, and we walked down the back steps into the lot. We crossed the gravel driveway and headed for the long black limousine. Straight ahead, Jordan. Don't get any ideas. I've handled guys like you before. Yeah, I can believe that. Go on, go on. Okay, you don't have to push that gun through my back. It's sore enough now. You'll never know it in the morning. All right, Jordan, now open it. What's the matter, Succamelli? Open the door. Sure. Now back away. I'm getting in. Oh, I'm not invited, huh? Sorry. I'm taking off alone, Jordan. I changed my mind. Hey, you'll have to step on it. Sam Sabai will be here in a minute. I'm not worried, Jordan. I'll leave you here to meet him with a bullet in your head. When they stop to investigate the, your corpse, it will give me extra time. <laughs> you know, I just thought of something. What's so funny? This has got to be close. The law will be here in a minute. Suppose you can't start your car. Don't worry about that, Jordan. It'll start. Yeah? Why don't you press the starter button? <laughs> okay, Jordan. Just so you won't die with it on your mind, watch. I had a hunch what was coming. As soon as Succamelli's hand went for the starter button, I hit the ground, started to roll. But even so, I caught part of the blast. I was shaking the buzz out of my ears and scrambling to my feet when the police car screeched up to a stop. Yeah, you missed the big blow-up, Sam. Moran and Schultz, where are they? Oh, upstairs and out of this world. Succamelli had a surprise for him. He got in some target practice. Uh, and Succamelli, is he... Yeah, he's in there, in what's left of the car. But uh, don't bother, Sam. How did this happen? Moran and Schultz had a little surprise for Succamelli, too. Maxie's favorite trick, a bomb. You press the starter button and... Well, that's all, brother. How did you miss this? I was scheduled to go along, but Succamelli changed his mind. I was hoping he would. You knew about the explosives? I had a hunch from the way Leo and Maxie were talking that they were up to something. And when I spotted grease on Maxie's hand, I figured he'd been messing around with his hobby. Too bad he didn't live to see this. He'd have been proud of the job. Rocky! Rocky! Oh, hiya, Nina. Oh, Rocky, are you all right? Yeah, sure, I'll make it. Although my face could stand a job of patching up. Well, I suggest you come with me to the emergency hospital and have... Oh, skip it, Sam. It's not that bad. Please, Rocky, you must have those bruises taken care of. Come on, I'll drive you home. Home? Who wants to go back to the tambourine? <laughs> I didn't have that in mind, Rocky. Oh. Well, uh, see you later, Sam. Hello? Uh, this is Captain Sabaya. Is Jordan still there? Uh, yes. Just a moment, Captain. Rocky. Rocky. Huh? It's for you, Captain Sabaya. Oh, thanks, Nina. Hello, Sam. Jordan, I thought you'd like to know uh, Nick Spalvo was waiting for us at headquarters when we got back. Mm-hmm. It, it was as you said, Jordan. Moran and Shields killed the booth. He saw them do it. Well? Jordan, did you hear what I said? Huh? Well, what was that, Sam? 
Aren't you listening to me? Oh, it's a beautiful night, Sam. With a lady's cool hand on my fevered brow. You'll have to admit it's a little uh, distracting. What was that again? <laughs> nothing, uh, nothing at all. <laughs> good night. Hmm? What was that? I said, good night. Oh, yeah. Good night, Sam. CBS, again at the same time next week for another story of adventure and intrigue when we take you back to Cairo and the Cafe Tambourine run by Rocky Jordan. Jack Moyles plays the title role with tonight's story by John Moore. Rocky Jordan is produced and directed by Cliff Howell with original music by Richard Arant. Larry Thor speaking, this is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. <laughs>